Part of the charm of Hungary is in the flourish that your waiter provides even when you only ask for a glass of water. These polite traditions can remind you that this used to be the seat of a fabulous empire a hundred years ago. Today, Budapest still shows off its old-world elegance and style in everyday life. Yet the distinctive Hungarian language really does set them apart from their Slavic and German-speaking neighbors. To bring us an insider perspective on what you should know before visiting Hungary, we're joined now by Budapest-based tour guides George Farkas and Monica Posch. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I was just in Budapest, and the thing that I was so impressed by was how enthusiastic Hungarians are about strudel. Yes. What's with that, George? All the strudel in Budapest, oh, well, strudel well, shops. Well, we are very excited about the strudel, and we're very proud of our strudel. Uh, we always Not that say, you don't have grander things to concern yourself with. Yes, we with. do, but, um, <laughs> you know, let's start with basic things. Yeah, uh, and uh, um, strudel is lovely, um, and uh, we really claim how beautiful our strudel is, and we always encourage our visitors to have as much as they can because there's no dough. The dough of the strudel, of the Hungarian one, is filo dough. So ah. basically, all you eat is what's inside. It's normally sweet, right? It would have like uh, it apple can pie be, or uh, cherry yeah, pie. Well, it can be cherry, poppy seed, uh, walnut. Mm-hmm. It can be uh, cottage cheese. But we have uh, also one which is called hortobagi palacinta, which actually has a uh, chicken paprikash. Monica, I was in Budapest. I went to the strudel house but I didn't just want dessert. So there was one savory strudel. Uh, George mentioned there are such a great variety of different fillings in our strudels. Uh, he had not mentioned uh, the cabbage one, uh-huh. which f- uh, for a first time I said, oh my God, cabbage, yuck. But uh, according to my experience, all of our tour members just loves it. And um, the poppy seed strudel, which is one of our basic fillings, uh, I don't know if you are aware that it actually contains a little bit of an opium, but uh, we don't care about it because uh, the poppy seed considered to be filled with natural minerals. So it's good and? Healthy, exactly. But in Budapest, uh, I always feel like when I go there, it's sort of like mother's cooking. It must have memories for you, even for your childhood. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, my mother is still uh, pulling the strudel and uh, sometimes with my mom, myself and my daughter, once a year before Christmas, we come together and we really make a traditional Hungarian strudel. Apple feeling, poppy seed feeling is something that we cannot miss. Okay, we could talk about strudel all day, but I do want to talk about the coffee houses because uh, when we go to Vienna, we, we have a great opportunity to enjoy traditional, elegant, old-world coffee houses. And uh, the twin capitals of the Austro-Hungarian Empire were Vienna and Budapest. Budapest has its own coffee shop culture for an elegant place to go to have a cup of coffee and a cake. Absolutely. But um, our elegant uh, coffee houses are really fantastic today for a little bit other reason. As Hungary had been invaded by so many invaders, whoever came to that hemisphere, that practically we Hungarians, we developed a special relationship with food and drink and coffee. And so today, I would say, whenever you go to a Hungarian coffee house, you have to be surrounded by crystal chandeliers and mm-hmm. uh, by velvet chairs, chairs and, and, and marble top marble tables. Top well, tables. I, I go to the famous one right on the big square. Zerbo. Uh, Zerbo. Yes. Exactly. Uh, every tourist goes there, and it's fantastic. And you step in, and you feel like royalty. Well, there's but, tapestry on the walls, and, oh, and also the history that it projects. I mean, you had all the famous composers uh, yeah. uh, having a, a coffee and cake by that 
table. It's a celebration of Hungarian high culture. Exactly. And that's, it's that's where conversations happen. And, and that's why uh, we always say you're not paying for the coffee, you're paying for the venue, you're paying for the experience. Any normal person can afford it, go in there and have this amazing as well as, experience. Yes, yeah. So actually, just finishing the thought, so since we had been invaded by so many invaders, so you can torture us to death during the day, but our 40 minutes coffee break is really a holy experience. You so cannot we, violate no. the coffee break. <laughs> no, no, this is exactly what I mean. You can torture us to death anytime, but not during our coffee. That's why no paper cups. No paper no cups. No paper cups. It has to be, again, perfect. It has to be a fine china. It really tastes different. It becomes when you have a your... more elegant, respectful ritual. Exactly. It's a communing with your past, with your culture, with your people. Absolutely. And this is your piece of little hedonism per day, <laughs> if I could say that way, that 40 minutes coffee break in a beautiful coffee house. Nice. So that's, again, it's a different approach. I love it. I love it. <laughs> this is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Hungary, and we're talking with two Hungarian guides, Monica Posh and George Farkas. Our phone number is 877 and Jim's on the line in Marine on St. Croix in Minnesota. Jim, thanks for calling in. Thanks, Rick. Um, in about three years ago, my wife and I, in one of our many bike trips in Europe, biked uh, through Hungary along the Danube River and really loved the experience. And I just wonder, the, the political environment seemed more benign then, not, not as much going on as what seems to be the case now. Should I feel any different about going back to Hungary, uh, given the way the political environment is today? You know, that's an understandable concern on people's minds as they're thinking about Hungary, because we read in the news about Viktor Orban and uh, his Fidesz party, and there's this uh, sort of extremism and this challenge to democracy. And uh, I was just there a few months ago, and uh, it's a great concern for a lot of uh, Hungarians. And on the other hand, a lot of Hungarians appreciate what he's doing. Uh, let's just ask our guides, what should, without getting into the, the whole thing about Viktor Orban, because he's sort of the local Trump and uh, everybody has their ideas about this and that, but just from a practical tourism point, George, what impact does that have on us when we're going to Hungary? I really love the way um, Jim was phrasing his question uh, because he said that uh, it seems to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we need to stay at uh, because politics are internal politics and most of the times it uh, concerns the locals and mm-hmm. it steers the uh, everyday feelings and it upsets the locals. But uh, how the Danube is flowing and how the um, uh, parliament is lit up in the evening and how you take an evening cruise and how you have your mm-hmm. uh, paprikash and uh, you go to the baths has not changed and it's not affected uh, by everyday politics. I was just in Hungary for nearly a week and uh, I have the same experience. I have major concerns myself for these kind of uh, political movements and so on. But from my experience, it was no factor at all except something very interesting to talk about with people. Right. Because it's a good conversational topic. It's a great conversational topic. Monica, how about your experience? Absolutely. I agree with you. We all need to do our uh, internal politics duties. Of course, it's a slow process, but in terms of enjoying life, in terms of coming over to Eastern Europe, 
yes, learning about our history maybe helps you to to think about uh, what maybe coming back to the state uh, will relate. But uh, in terms of taking fantastic uh, bike uh, roads mm-hmm. or enjoying or cafe houses, practically come over, enjoy it. It's okay. not going to affect. So without sounding like a promotion for Hungary, Gem, I, I think we're delicately dancing around the fact there's serious political issues going on in a lot of countries, but it, it really has, up until now, Absolutely. no impact on No on impact travelers. whatsoever. Uh, does that make sense, Jim? Oh, it, it does. And actually, all your talk prior to my call about coffee and strudel made it seem like almost a moot point. But, yeah, just um, have a few extra poppy seeds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Jim. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Jim. you. And Casey's calling in from Prescott in Arizona. Hey, Casey. Hi, Rick, George, and Monica. I stumbled upon, and I use that term loosely because I was planning on going there, um, to Budapest when I was doing a four-month backpacking trip through Europe and instantly fell in love. And I'm now actually working on ways to um, live there. So my question is, once I get there, what small towns and villages should I make sure I visit? So you fell in love with, with a Hungarian or with Budapest, the city? Everything. Ah, Everything right. about it. So you want to go back, <laughs> and you know Budapest is great. As I mentioned earlier, it is, you know, a lot of people go, they love Prague. But the, the real connoisseurs of Eastern Europe, I think Budapest is the surprise. It's kind of underrated uh, in a lot of people's minds. And you get there and you go, this is a great city. But the question, we all know Budapest What if you want to find a small town nearby? What would you recommend, Monica? There are actually several options, Casey. First of all, comes into my mind St. Andrew, which is about uh, 40 minutes' drive from Budapest. That's in the so-called Danube Bend area. Mm. You know, the Danube runs a west-east direction, and then suddenly, since it's rushing to the south into the Black Sea, it takes a big turn. So St. Andrew is a charming, historical Serbian-Greek Orthodox city was established during the Turkish occupation. So you will find a great mixture of different uh, cultures in that tiny little village. By the way, it's uh, also an artistic, historical city. St. Andrew, easy to reach from Budapest. Oh, yes, very easy. Again, it's actually less than 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, You can rent a car. You can uh, take a, a commuter train. Also came into my mind Gödöllő, which takes you back to the Austro-Hungarian monarchy era. By the way, Gödöllő Palace was uh, the favorite runaway place for uh, Empress Elizabeth Sisi. And this palace uh, not just takes you back to the old uh, Baroque and later on uh, monarchy era, but because the palace was used uh, by the Russians uh, during the Second World War, and then later on it was operating as an elderly home, just by visiting the palace, it gives you a great uh, historical review. Hey, George, Monica mentioned the Danube Bend. And, uh, you know, historically, when people go to uh, Hungary, they see Budapest, and then all the tour groups and so on would take a a day trip up to the Danube Bend, and you've got two or three very touristy, famous uh, historic spots. What are those? So, uh, St. Andrew, St. Andre in uh, Uh Hungarian, and uh, Visegrad and Estergom. Estergom. Would be the the three famous sort of emblematic towns. Describe, uh, just in a a nutshell, Visegrad and Estergom. Uh, Both of them are very picturesque. Um, uh, Visegrad would be basically accommodating um, castle ruins today. Uh, You go up there and then you beautifully see um, the the Danube band uh, that used to be uh, the royal seat. That's where our crown used to be spanned. A great view of the Danube River. 
from up there, yes. Um, and that's where our crown used to be held. Okay. Uh, so it's filled with history. Um, and, there. And Estragon's a big uh, Catholic center, isn't it? Very yeah. big uh, Catholic center. Yeah. Um, that's where we have uh, our largest um, basilica. And both of them are, are eager for the tourism. They're cute little cobbled areas for shopping nice. for the tour yeah, groups yeah. and uh, uh, sort of the obvious thing for tourists to do. And uh, great day trips, actually, nice. uh, from Budapest. Casey, I hope that helps. Absolutely. Somehow you guys made me even more excited to get back. <laughs> hey, you Sounds know, good. one town I really was pleasantly surprised by is Pitch. Mm-hmm. And it's not that close, but I think there's good connections. Oh, yes. How yes. far is, how far is uh, by train to about Pitch? Uh, Two and a half, three, three, hours. three hours. Three hours about. And it's, yes. to me, it's a fascinating city that no American tourists seem to go to. That's true. That's and true. And it's just recently been uh, the uh, cultural capital of Europe. So, so. What, what is unique about Pitch? Uh, Actually, Church? it's a university town, Yeah. Um, uh, number one. And uh, basically, it's a little bit of a of mirroring uh, big town Budapest. Uh, so yeah. you come down and then you see the city with a much uh, smaller speed. And it's real Hungary. It's, it's, yes. it, it, there's no tourism there. No, it's it's a university. Really, no. P-E-C-S? Yeah. There you go, Casey. Have a good time. Thank you so much, you guys. You bet. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with George Farkas and Monica Posh about Hungary. George, I mentioned earlier that the Hungarian language is sort of unique. Uh, it's different from the Slavic languages around it. Could very you, much so. Could you talk just very clear and slow like a, a teacher? Count one to ten in Hungarian so we can get a little dose of your language. Okay. Egy, kettő, három, négy, öt, hat, hét, nyolc, kilenc, tíz. There's no uno, dos, or eins, by no, trying no. there. Not a hint of it. <laughs> we're, we're, we're enormously challenged. Oh, uh, my goodness. And, Monica, is there any fun little tongue twisters? Or what well, do you say that's fun? Well, would you like to really hear a melody or some really tongue twister in Hungarian? Like, for example, Cholit Bancsicserje Csatogácsokból Csermely Csomogácsonka Cserpán Csúfcsoka Cserk Cserkis Fiuk Csapata Cseveg. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I want to hear a tongue twister. Say that again slowly in Hungarian and then tell us what you said. So, Csalitban csicsergés, csatogás, csobogó, csermely, csobogás, csonka, cserfán, csúf, csóka, csereg, cserkész fiúk, csapata, cseveg. And it says uh, that uh, in the little forest, uh, little birds are uh, singing and uh, little lake is uh, can be seen. So practically, it is just an interestingly put uh, uh, tongue twister. Li- little birds in but the forest. Actually, since uh, Hungary had just uh, received the title that Hungary is considered to be one of the most difficult language in a world, and you may wonder why. You know, I mean, there are grammatical rules, uh, there are exceptions, you read the rules and then you learn the language. So what could be so difficult? Well, the problem is that uh, we have more exceptions from the rules than rules itself. Oh, I so, don't like that. Really frustrates me when I'm trying to learn a foreign language. It's, it's this way, except when it's not this way. Well, you are not the only one who is frustrated. I'm trying to find uh, the solution. Uh, how come that uh, the Hungarian society is still, even in 2018, is completely homogene? Probably because uh, everybody else uh, who had not uh, learned the language uh, in the language environment, it's almost it's impossible to learn. So they find other areas. So uh, that to... has an actual impact yes, on the does. homogeneity, on, on the demographic makeup of Hungary, yes, because your language is harder to learn than German. Absolutely harder to learn than any other languages actually in the yeah. European environment. What can we learn <laughs> from the Hungarian language about the Hungarian people? Does it give us any insight? into the the culture. 
language sets the mind. Mm. And so if we have a language which has so many unexpected twists, then please uh, don't be surprised that if you feel things which are unexpected in our culture, in our history, in our everyday life as well. If you come to our Roman Catholic coronation church and the interior of the church is uh, decorated with pagan, tribal Hungarian motifs and so on. In other words, Monica, you're saying uh, when you walk into a a Roman Catholic church, it has a deeper heritage than Christianity. There was uh, religious undertones that survive to this day that are actually the pagan Magyar roots. Yes, yes. And the Magyars just came a thousand years ago, right? The Magyars are the Hungarians. Right. Seven Hungarian tribes arrived in 896 in the 9th century. Okay, so to, they came about 1,200 years ago from way over by Mongolia or something like yes, this? Yes, actually, a whole bunch Volga of... Volga and Kama rivers area. Therefore, we have this language sitting in the middle of all these uh, more Western languages. Right. And right. It's, a, it's part of the Finno-Ugoric language group. Oh, okay. So there's now, only three uh, that are in Finland, Estonia, and Hungary. It reminds me of the independent spirit. It's just hard to defeat the Hungarian spirit. For the Soviet Union, the Hungarians were just the biggest problem, and you actually had to were able to have your own uh, goulash version of communism and so on. Uh, what, what is it about the Hungarian independent spirit? I think uh, the Hungarians would really want to express themselves, and they don't want to be compressed. One of the examples, if you're bringing uh, something unique up, is uh, how we do our beds. Um, how you uh, do your beds? Yes. Yeah, so, like making uh, your bed. And uh, how our bed sheets are prepared. And I, I'd like to share a, a personal experience. Very first time we came over to the United States of America and we went into, I don't know if it was a hotel or someone's house, we were introduced to our bedrooms and we went in. And then it took us time to actually decide where we go. Like we lifted one layer, another layer, and another layer, and we couldn't decide between where we go because you have where these... you put your body between exactly. the seats. Where do we fit in in this bed setting? <laughs> They're and all tucked in too tight. Exactly, and then you had these sheets, and then all we have is basically a, a cover sheet uh, which sits on the mattress, and then we have a, a single duvet which is top to bottom uh, sides, uh, basically a standalone unit, and it's not tucked in. So we can easily lift it up and then go under, and then our feet are are free. We can't have our feet compressed down at the end. And still today, when we go to a hotel and get up in the middle of the night, I have hard time to pull the sheet out from the bottom. To free to, your feet. To, exactly, to have well, our feet Monica, flying. Is that, is that just George or is this Hungarian? No, no, no. Practically even today, even I'm putting up the don't disturb sign because uh, the housekeeping uh, ladies are tucking it beautifully in my bed and every single day I'm struggling it out because uh, I need freedom during the night. So I can't be oppressed underneath the tucked in the bed sheet. Sorry, sorry, just this not is the even, way it is. Not even there. <laughs> so don't tuck my comforter in. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been celebrating Hungarian culture with our guides, George Farkas and Monica Pasch. Kosonom, is that thank you? Kosonom, very Sivashen. good. Sivashen. Sivashen. And I'll see you in Budapest. Thank, thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Each year, Rick Steves Tour Guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.